Researchers at Dell SecureWorks say organizations are increasingly being breached by well-orchestrated cyber attacks that hinge more on social engineering and the exploitation of lacking network segmentation than malware. Here, Phil Burdett, senior security researcher of Dell SecureWorks Counter Threat Unit Special Operations Team, which investigates incidents, reviews three real-world examples of breaches that involved very little or no malware for the compromise and exfiltration of data. Burdett will explain how hackers got in and why these types of vulnerabilities are much more common than most businesses realize. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Phil, as I mentioned, Dell SecureWorks reviewed three breaches, one involving a manufacturer, another involving a pharmaceutical company, and yet another involving a point-of-sale attack. Across the board, it seems remote access and not requiring dual-factor authentication are the leading weaknesses. Can you explain your perspective? Sure. So from our standpoint, what we observe most often when responding to intrusions in our client environment is that threat actors will follow a path of least resistance in order to achieve their objective. And if there are remote access solutions that are available to them, that they can compromise usernames and passwords of legitimate employees to gain access remotely to internal resources, they will do that before using or installing remote access tools or additional backdoors. What we encounter is that a lot of organizations focus very frequently on detecting and identifying malware threats or remote access tools in the environment. And what is often overlooked is how legitimate remote access solutions or legitimate Windows administration tools can be used by an adversary in order to achieve their objective. So compromising employee credentials to gain access to the network was another leading weakness that was noted in these three particular case studies. How were credentials compromised, Phil, in the manufacturing case that Dell SecureWorks reviewed? So actually, like most cases, when we're engaged by a client, we don't always know how the adversary initially gained access to the network or even the credentials. This may be because the threat actors have been operating for such a long period of time in the environment that the data is no longer available. Or it may be the case that even if the intrusion is recent, that the necessary instrumentation was not in place in the environment that would enable us to discover the initial access vector. We would say in approximately 50% of the targeted response engagements that we've conducted in the past year, there was actually no conclusive data that would allow us to identify the initial access vector. So in reviewing another case, which involved the breach of a pharmaceutical manufacturer, Dell SecureWorks found that a spear phishing attack that was sent to several employees at the manufacturer was actually what led to the compromise of credentials needed to access the VPN into the manufacturer's network. Phil, is this type of attack common? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, in this particular case, the threat actors actually sent 12 phishing messages. And as we all learned from uh, doing our exercises, that it only takes one user who is going to click on the link. Uh, in this case, it was reported to be from the IT staff who wanted to test the fidelity of a new remote access solution that would allow an employee to log into their email. And when the user clicked the link, entered their credentials, within hours, the adversary was using those same credentials that they had just obtained to remotely access the network through the company's legitimate SSL VPN solution. So I can see where the vulnerabilities that are exploited in these virtual private networks are obviously something that a lot of companies probably deal with. But looking at the exploitation of some of these remote desktop platforms really seems to be a primary weakness that's really across the board at many of these organizations. Do you think, Phil, that companies should just stop using these types of remote access platforms? So it's actually not feasible for organizations to stop using them because they need them in order to conduct their business. Right, systems administrators need to be able to access servers to update, apply patches, to 
uh, add users to the domain, just as the help desk staff needs to be able to interact with remote employees or other folks inside of the organization to troubleshoot problems that they are having. But the key here is that the balance between usability and security, and there are additional security controls that are often available to be put in place that would prevent an adversary from abusing these tactics. So what are some of those controls that should be put in place? Sure. So I think it really comes down to, for remote access solutions, one of the things that we highly recommend is solutions such as the two-factor authentication. So something I know and something I have. There are other ways that you can look to identify anomalous activity, such as the same account logging in simultaneously. We've seen cases where we review the VPN logs or the Citrix logs, and the threat actor is actually logged into the network at the same time that the legitimate user is conducting their business. Other cases where you can limit the number of connections, so you have a pulled connections. There are other instances in where you can review the logs to look for anomalous host names that are being used to connect to the network. So as an example, if I as an organization have a standard for my host names of the computers in my environment, and I would expect only my employees to be logging in, I can work to identify and allow only specific host names matching a pattern to be able to successfully authenticate. So in the case of an adversary, is compromised another resource, you know, maybe close geographically to the target, but yet they do not have access to the naming convention of the computer system that may stand out as an anomaly and may alert network defenders to a threat actor remotely accessing the environment. I'm going to go back to another example that was noted among the three case studies that Dell Secure Works reviewed. The compromising of endpoint management systems, which are used to distribute new software and software patches to endpoint computers, was another concern that Dell Secure Works noted. When these platforms are compromised, hackers can move laterally through a company's network. Are companies then just not segmenting their networks well enough, Phil? So actually, in this particular use case, the client did a great job of segmenting their network. And what they had done is they had set up a trust relationship between a system that needed to remotely access the point of sale endpoints in their environment in order to push a security updates to them. However, the threat actor quickly realized this through the reconnaissance of the network and identified that this system was able to communicate with their target systems, which contained the point of sale data that they were interested in obtaining. The problem is, is that these high-value systems inside of an organization, these choke points, are often overlooked and may not have the same level of security controls in place or may not have the continuous auditing necessary to ensure that an adversary isn't also taking advantage of these remote access solutions or these remote administration solutions internal to the network. So in this particular example, some of the endpoints that were compromised included point-of-sale terminals. So once those point-of-sale terminals were accessed, it was pretty easy to steal credit and debit data. Could you walk us through a little bit of what happened? Because in that particular instance, it did involve malware, but it really wasn't malware that was the ultimate vulnerability. Right. So oftentimes the thought with malware is that it needs to be a backdoor or needs to call back to a command and control server. And with the organization that has a very well-architected network, they may not allow the point-of-sale systems to directly phone home to the Internet. So what happened in this case is that through an unknown way, an adversary was able to, again, obtain credentials, was accessing the environment through the Citrix solution that the organization provided to their employees. Once gaining access to the Citrix solution, they were able to use their remote desktop protocol to connect to the security management server. Once on the security management server, they had the ability, because of the network architecture, to connect directly to the point-of-sale system. So at this point, 
they began deploying tools on the system that they could remotely execute in order to obtain credit card information from memory on the system. And so these tools would run for a period of time. The adversary would re-enter the network, come back in, again, RDP over to the security management solution, and connect back to the point of the sales system to retrieve the collected data from these systems that was captured from memory and written to disk and then copy that out of the network. When you mentioned, Phil, that the attacker was able to come in and come back out and, and go back and forth, do you think there would have been some anomalous activity in the logs that would have indicated some of this was going on? So what we often find is that while there may be logs for denied exceptions for when things are being blocked, it's often the case that accepts for legitimate activity that is when users authenticate successfully is not logged or is not retained for a period of time that allows an incident responder or an investigator to go back through and review and identify potentially anomalous activity. So going back to this example that we just talked about, the key takeaway from this breach, as Dell SecureWorks has noted, is that organizations must monitor their key systems for signs of malicious activity, no matter how trusted those key systems are, especially if those systems can communicate with sensitive assets such as POS terminals. Can you help us understand what you mean by trusted systems, Phil? Sure. So as the case here, the client had done a great job of, again, segmenting the network so that a normal user could not directly connect to a point-of-sale system in the environment. So these trusted systems inherently have the ability to communicate because there's a business purpose for that, and the adversaries recognize that as part of their reconnaissance in the environment. And so it's kind of the analogy we like to use is we're funneling the adversary down into the valley, and if we're sitting up top on the ridges looking down, we need to be able to monitor them. And we often find that there's nobody really watching over that valley looking for a threat actor versus the system administrator who's conducting their day-to-day operations. And this may relate to the case that you were just talking about as well, but something else that I noted in the notification that came out from Dell Secure Works is that once threat actors are inside and discovered, companies are not adequately shutting off the entry points that hackers use to gain access. So I'm assuming if you don't shut off those entry points, they could be used again and again and again. Why has it been so easy for hackers to continue to exploit these things, and why aren't companies closing off these entry points once they discover that they have been intruded? So I think it has a lot to do with the challenge with implementing the technologies required in order to afford an adversary from re-entering using the same tactics. There's often a high cost with that, and that's something that a global organization cannot deploy overnight. However, when you have an adversary who is actively operating in, in the environment, the business may justify the need to actually take that entire remote access solution offline. And so what they've learned to determine is that the threat of an adversary succeeding exfiltrating data is greater than the risk of business disruption by allowing that remote access to the employee, disabling that remote access to the employee for a period of time. Another example is that we frequently identify with adversaries remotely accessing environment, specifically targeting the email of the IT staff and the security staff. And as we go through our containment and eradication of an adversary, we certainly don't want the threat actor to know what we know about them. We don't want them to know what our plan is to get them from the environment. Last but not least, we do not want them to take defensive evasion tactics in order to avoid our eviction plan. Phil, do you think that the three examples that Dell Secure Works has included here in its alert are examples that really reflect what's going on in the marketplace generally? Do you think these are very common among most organizations? Absolutely. I would say that 100% of our intrusions were we are engaged by clients to identify different types of threat actors. They are living off the land. They are using native tools or at least legitimate Windows system administration tools 
to achieve their objective. Again, they will follow a path of least resistance. They will take advantage of anything that they can use that's inside of the network so they don't have to bring it with them. And it also makes it much more challenging for traditional security controls to identify and determine what is legitimate activity through the use of tools such as remote desktop protocol or a lot of movement tools such as mapping network drives or using legitimate Windows system internal tools such as PSExec to execute code on remote systems. Making that judgment call from when relying on traditional security controls is very, very challenging for most organizations. And then, Phil, before we close, are there any other recommendations that you could offer to our audience to help them understand how they can shore up some of these security gaps? Sure. So another thing that we often encourage our clients to consider is the use of privileged account management systems, which will actually limit the lifetime of a username and password. And what that does is it affects the usefulness of the credential. So if an adversary obtains a username and password, and the lifetime of that account is very short-lived because that account password changes, that disrupts the adversary's ability to use that credential that set of credentials to achieve their objective. The other thing that we would add is, when possible, implementing a secure administration VLAN or network segment where administrative staff, IT staff, will be able to operate from to achieve their objectives of administering servers is very powerful because what this allows us to do is that when there is an endpoint who is connecting to a server, that immediately will stand out because the system administrator would not be operating from that particular segment of the network. Well, Phil, I'd like to thank you for your time. Very informative. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Phil Burdett of Dell SecureWorks. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.